trust the process. That's what Hugh Jackson always said. We're trusting the process. That's not going to cut it anymore, Hugh. You're out. After a pathetic performance on Sunday. But hey, it's another Sunday. And the Lions and the Browns both lose. So what else is new? Ohio State moves up in the rankings even though they didn't play. While Notre Dame takes down the midshipmen. This has been an amazing World Series capped off with a tremendous Game 5 last night. We'll talk about that. As well as the Jackets getting back on the right foot. And on a winning streak? Possibly. And the fish are back in the pond. Toledo's back at full strength. Like, I'm back at full strength. Because this is all Andy Elford. Right here on this special Monday evening version. Right here on the Anchor Network. Guess who's back? All Andy Elford. It's time for All Andy Alfred. Yes! Ah, I love you guys, and welcome into this Monday edition. Yes, a Monday evening edition of All Andy Alford tonight. Yes, you're hearing this right. Don't check your calendars. Don't check anything. Don't freak out. We may mention this show last week on Tuesday and on Friday's edition of All Andy Alford that we were doing the special Monday evening version of the program because... Of course, tomorrow, Bowling Green takes on Kent State at Doit L. Perry Stadium. Well, we're going to preview that game for you tonight, as well as dive into the rest of the college football. So that's why we're on the air tonight, as you are listening to me on the plethora of platforms via the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes. Thank you for tuning into the program tonight. Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcasts Now. However you're listening to me tonight, wherever you're listening to me tonight, Thank you for tuning into the program on this Monday evening, the 29th of October, 2018. Two two days left of the month of October and less than two months left in the 2018 calendar year. As um, You can be always a part of the show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyAlford. It is at AllAndyAlford. So we got a lot to get into tonight, of course. We'll recap the walleye home opener, and you'll hear my thoughts and opinions on the walleye. You'll also hear uh, the my thoughts on the World Series, as well as uh, special Andy rants later on in the program tonight. But let's start off with, of course, what's fresh in our mind, and that is the su- stunning surprise, not by this guy, I'll tell you that much, uh, that the Browns losing on Sunday and Hugh Jackson being released as the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. 
You know, this guy is an absolute joke of a coach. He was a horrible coordinator. And he gets the job. This this guy is a joke. An absolute joke. Plain and simple. He finishes his year, finishes his time with the Browns with a 3.47 and 2 mark. 3.47 and 2. That, that's not going to cut you. That is definitely not going to cut. He finishes 127th out of 128 coaches. Second to last in all-time coaches. I mean, what what is there to say? This guy is an absolute joke. And the fact that it took this long. I told you at the end of the last season on this network, on this show, that they needed to fire Hugh Jackson. They needed a new fresh leadership with, with Baker Mayfield coming in. But, of course, they stuck with him, you know, and he's got two wins on the year. Oh, he got two wins, you know, great job. But when you lose to your rival, like what Mike Jenks in Bowling Green was let go. You know, Jackson is a joke of a coach. And it's it's about damn time that Haslam cut the cord and they cut the cord on him. They caught the on the cord of the offense coordinator. Haley. It it was time. It was absolutely time. And after the pathetic performance they had in Pittsburgh on Sunday, you know, it just proved it. Absolutely proved it. As the final game for Hugh Jackson ends in Pittsburgh, the run ends in Pittsburgh for Hugh as the Steel Curtain beats on the Browns 33-18. Mayfield had a pretty good game. He was 22 for 36, 180 yards passing, two touchdowns, one INT. He also ran the ball one time for nine yards. Nick Chubb, I told you he's going to have a breakout game, breakout season, especially with Carlos Hyde being traded to the Jaguars. He had 18 touches for 65 yards, no TD in the game. Jarvis Landry, 8 catches, 39 yards, no TD. Anthony Callaway, 5 catches, 36 yards, 1 TD. For Roethlisberger in this game, a better game for him than the first game he played against the Browns. 24 for 36, 257 to the air, 2 touchdowns, 1 INT. He also ran the ball on 2 attempts for 6 yards. Connor, again, breakout performance. He touched the ball 24 times for 146 yards, 2 TDs in the game. He also... Catch, caught the ball, five receptions for 66 yards, no TDs in the game. Antonio Brown, six catches, 74 yards, two TDs. Vance McDonald, three catches, 47 yards, no TDs in the game. Breakdown looks like this. The pa- the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers had 25 first downs to the Browns, 17. Both teams were thirteen had 13 attempts at third down. The Browns, three for 13. Pittsburgh, six for 13. Total yards for the Steelers, they had 421 yards of total offense. The Browns, 237, 163 through the year, 74 on the ground. Not going to cut it. Not going to cut it. For Pittsburgh, 253 through the year, 168 on, on the ground. Pittsburgh, 8 
penalties for 60 yards. The Browns, seven penalties for 52 yards. They had two turnovers in the game, though, Pittsburgh to Cleveland's one. So after this game, of course, like I may mention before, and it was announced this morning that Hugh Jackson was fired as head coach of the Cleveland Browns. Jackson leaving the franchise and only giving the franchise three wins in the last four seasons. Not going to cut it. And, you know, good riddance to rubbish. That's all I had to say. And the thing is, they waited till they waited till the middle of the year to do this. They should have done this at the before the even season began. He should have been let go at the beginning of the season before the beginning of the season. When you go 0 and 16, and that is a blemish. This franchise has two 0-16 seasons. Absolutely atrocious. You can't have that happening. You seriously can't not have that happening. It makes the franchise and it makes the city look like a joke. An absolute joke. But what do you expect? It's Cleveland sports. It's the Browns. So we'll see what happens. The Browns lose to Pittsburgh 33-18. Then we get to the other team here in the Northwest Ohio area, and that's the Detroit Lions. The Lions coming off of a great win the week before against the Miami Dolphins. Come back home to Ford Field to take on Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks, who aren't that great this year. They really aren't that great. Nobody's really talking about them that much in the in the NFC West. But because of how great L.A. is. But the fact is, Seattle's pretty good. And they proved it against the Lions as they beat them 28-14. to Russell Wilson, 14 of 17, 248, three touchdowns in the game. Carlson, 25 carries for 105 yards, one TD in the game. I again, I say it, the run defense is not there for the for the Lions, and that's what's scaring me. They got to blow it up soon. They have to. More four catches, 97 yards, one TD in the game. Dickerson, two catches, 54 yards, one TD in the game. For the Lions, Matthew Stafford was 27 for 40, 310, two touchdowns, one INT. He ran the ball one time. On six yards. Calvin Johnson, eight touches for 22 yards. No TDs in the game. He caught the ball six times for 69 yards. No TDs in the game. Golden Tate, seven catches, 50 yards. No TDs in the game. Marvin Jones, seven catches for 117 yards. Two TDs in the game. And here is the surprising stat. Two big keys for why this Lions game, this Lions team, really sucked in this past Sunday afternoon. At Ford Field. Here's the breakdown. The Lions had 21 first down plays to Seattle's 20. The Seahawks were shooting at 50% at third down at 6 for 12. The Lions 6 for 10. Total yards. The Seahawks had 413 yards of total offense. The Lions 331. 297 through the air for the Lions. 34 damn yards on the ground. 
34. That's not going to cut it. Johnson had 22 of the 34 yards. What, what is there to say? Absolutely, what is there to say? Seattle, 413 yards of total offense, 237 in the air, 176 on the ground. They had a lot of penalties, seven penalties for 111 yards. Detroit, four penalties for 32 yards. And here's another one. Three turnovers in the game for the Lions. cost, And two of those turnovers cost them points. You know, I don't usually say this, but I'm going to say it right now. I have a feeling that the Lions are going to win. They're not going to win the division. That's 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 a plain fact. I don't think that they're going to get past Chicago. I don't really think they're going to get past Chicago. Chicago's better. Absolutely better. And how bad this run defense is and how bad the defensive end is. Patricia is an offensive coordinator. He doesn't know the defense. Jim Bob Cooter is teaching Matthew Stafford the right way. And the offense is doing okay. But the defense has got to get a lot better. Absolutely got to get a lot better. If they don't get a lot better, then we're going to be in trouble. Absolutely in trouble. But we shall see. We shall absolutely see. As we check out some of the other scores around the NFL, how about the London game? Philadelphia getting the win 24-18 over the Jacksonville Jaguars. How about Kareem Hunt? A great breakout performance, hurling the guy for a second week in a row, hurling a guy for the second week in a row as they beat the Broncos 30-23. Washington getting the win over the Giants 20-13. How about Jameis Winston throwing three, excuse me, four INTs in the game, three INTs in the game, excuse me, and being benched for Ryan Fitzpatrick and Ryan Fitzmagic led the team to tying the game at 34 apiece before the Bengals kicking the game-winning field goal as time expires as Cincinnati wins 37-34 over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Chicago win 24-10 over the New York J-E-T-S, just, just, Jets. Baltimore getting the loss over Carolina, 36-21. Oakland losing to the Colts, 42-26. San Francisco loses to Arizona, 18-15. How about a great game by Jared Goff and Ty Gurley shutting down Aaron Rodgers in the offensive game with that with the L.A. defense as well. It's the Rams getting a 29-27 win over the Green Bay Packers. And Sunday night football sees New Orleans beating Minnesota 30-20. Tonight, 8-15, right here, right in Buffalo, New York, as is the Bills taking on the New England Patriots. Of course, like I said, we're not going to be doing another show until Friday's Falcon Friday edition of the program. And, uh... Week 9 starts off on Thursday night is the Battle of the Bay between Oakland and San Francisco. I will take the 49ers in that game. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens going forward. As you're listening to All Andy Offer tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Now, 
however you're listening to me tonight, wherever you're listening to me tonight, thank you for tuning into the program. And now let's hit to the college game. A big week at week for Maction, but a big weekend it was for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. So a big game happening in San Diego this past weekend as it was the midshipmen of the Navy hosting Notre Dame. Now Ohio State, Michigan were on a bye this week, so the only big college team that's, you know, because the University of Toledo played on Thursday night, and we recapped that game on Friday's edition. If you haven't missed, if you missed Friday's show, it is available on iTunes and on your on any of the platforms that you listen to the show. As you heard, you'll hear my take on the UT game against Western Michigan. Bowling Green on the bye, they play Kent State, and we'll dive into that in just a second. But Notre Dame, third-ranked team in the country, head out to the West Coast for the first time this year. They'll go back out for a second time as they take on uh, USC later, but they took on the Navy, and they just dominated the Navy, 44-22. to Now, they let them in back into the game midway point of the third quarter, but Chip, uh, Brian Kelly let, him, let that team turn down the burners and start it right back up as the Irish beat the midshipmen, 44-22. to Book 27 for 33, three touch three. 133 yards of toll through the air, two touchdowns, one INT in the game. He also ran the ball for six ca- six carries for 50 yards, no TDs in the game. Williams, 23 carries for 142 yards, three touchdowns in the game. Boykin, four catches, 58 yards, two TDs. Armstrong, five catches, 64 yards, no touchdowns in the game. Lewis, four for 11, 52 yards, no TDs, one INT in the game. He also ran the ball 11 times. 11 times for 130 for 13 yards no TDs in the game. Perry 12 running attempts 133 yards no TDs in the game. Cooper one catch 34 yards no TDs. Breakdown looks like this. The Irish had 28 first downs to the Navy's 14. The Irish were 7 for 15. Navy 2 for 12 on third down. I'm not going to cut it. The Navy is a running team. Plain and simple, and it proved it in the in the total yards. 344 yards of total offense for the Navy. 52 through the air, 245 on the ground. Where the Irish, 584 yards of total offense, 330 through the air, 254 on the ground. They had three penalties for 40 yards. The Naval Academy, four penalties for 16 yards. Both teams turned the football over twice as the Irish get a big win. In San Diego over the midshipmen. Other scores around the around the NCAA for week number nine looked like this. Utah, 23rd ranked in the country, gets the win over UCLA, 41-10. Clemson, a 59-10 win over Florida State. Wisconsin getting upset in Northwestern, in Livingston, 31-17. How about Georgia getting a 36-17 win over Florida? I had Florida in that game. I thought Florida could pull the upset. It wasn't so so. 18th ranked Iowa loses to Penn State 30-24. Penn State 17th ranked in the country. Oklahoma 51-14 win over Kansas State. Oklahoma the 8th ranked team in the country. South Florida uh, winner loses to uh, Houston 57-36. And a big upset right there. Kentucky stays off the loss against Missouri with a 
late touchdown as they went 15 to 14 over Missouri. Washington, 16th ranked in the country, loses to Cal 12 to 10. Texas A&M gets beat by Mississippi State 28 to 13. Stanford loses to Washington State, 14th ranked Washington State. The Cougars 41 to 38. Stanford, 24th ranked in the country. They're basically are doesn't help Notre Dame out to say the least. NC State loses to Syracuse and Dino Babers 51 to 41. NC State 22nd in the country. Oklahoma State beats Texas, 6th ranked Texas, 38-35. Oregon loses to Arizona, 44-15. Minnesota winner, 38-31 over Indiana. How about Michigan State? After the loss against Michigan the week before, beats Purdue, who beat Ohio State the week before in Week 8 by a score of 23-13. to So that sets up in two weeks when Michigan State plays Ohio State at Sparty Stadium. That could be for the for the East Championship because Michigan this week plays Penn State at the Big House. So it sets up a big matchup going forward this upcoming week. No, uh, Nebraska gets their second win of the season with a 45-9 over Bethlehem College. Maryland 63, Illinois 33. Eastern Michigan loses to Army 37-22. Akron gets a 17-10 win over Central Michigan. And NIU beats BYU 7-6. So we now dive into, let's talk about the end, uh, the top 10 eight, the AP poll looks like this. Alabama still at number 1, 8-0. Clemson 2. Notre Dame stays at 3. LSU now 4. Michigan 5. Georgia 6. Oklahoma 7. Ohio State now moves to 8. Central Florida, 9th. Washington State, 10. Kentucky, 11. West Virginia, 12. Florida, 13. Penn State, 14. Texas, 15. Utah, 16. Houston is 17. The Utah State is 18. Iowa, 19. Fresno State, 20th. Mississippi State, 21st. Syracuse, 22nd. Virginia, 23rd. Boston College, 24th. And Texas A&M is 25th. That's the top 25. And so tomorrow at 7 o'clock is the first selections for the top four for the college football playoffs. You're going to hear my prediction for who I think is who I would be voting in for the top four. Okay. The number one overall seed is Alabama. That's plain and simple. Alabama, it's it's a safe pick for that. Number two. Number two, it's going to be the Clemson, Clemson Tigers. Clemson having a great season so far. I think they're or a dominant powerhouse. Number three is the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Notre Dame, half with the consistency win, the only top 25 win that they've got is against Michigan. The loss to Stanford, the, the win against Stanford, but Stanford struggling as of late. Puts for that Florida State game later on in the month of November to be a big game for them, of course. And you can't count out the Northwestern game as well. Something always about November for Notre Dame is always a, is a toss-up. Number four, right now I have the Michigan Wolverines at number four. Michigan having a great season so far. The big win against the the only loss coming to them, the only one lost team coming to is the Notre Dame against Notre Dame. I think a Michigan team that's dominant and starting to get on a better page. Beating Michigan State helped their case out. 
we shall see. We shall see. That's my top four. On the outside looking in, I have LSU at five. And number six is Ohio State. I think Ohio State is possibly there for the taking to get a spot. A Michigan loss bumps them back into the into the things. You can't count out Georgia at the same time. Oklahoma as well, but Oklahoma struggling. And with Oklahoma State beating Texas, doesn't help out for that Red River that Red River shootout game. Doesn't help its case out for Oklahoma's loss. So we'll just see. But that's the top four for me. As we get into week 10 of the college football season. And it starts with some action this week. And uh, let's break down some of the games for you happening during the week this week for in Mid-American Conference play. First and foremost, tomorrow, besides the Bowling Green-Kent State game, which you'll hear my prediction here in just a second, Miami, Ohio is in Buffalo to take on the Bulls. I'll take Buffalo in the game. Uh, NIU is at Akron this on Thursday. I'm going to take Akron to lose to NIU. NIU beats Akron. Western Michigan hosts Ohio. That's going to be a great matchup right there, a good shootout matchup. I'll take Western Michigan in the game. So sets up for the local teams, and we'll start with tomorrow, uh, Wednesday, 7-30 kickoff at the Glass Bowl. The Ball State Fighting Football Cardinals of David Letterman's alma mater, Ball State, take on the University of Toledo. I think Toledo will get a better get a win after a dominant performance against Western Michigan. I think Toledo will get the win over Ball State, which sets up tomorrow's matchup. Kent State taking on Bowling Green State University at the Doit. Kickoff is set, scheduled for 7.30 on ESPNU. This is a good game. Carpolini has had a week off with his team. He's got the offensive offensive scheme ready to go, in my opinion. They've gotten plenty of time to get ready for this Kent State game. Plenty of time. I think it's going to come down to whether or not you know the defense will show up And for me, roll along, BG Warriors, roll along, and strike for BGSU. I'm taking the Falcons to beat Kent State tomorrow night at Doit L. Perry Stadium. So BG to beat Kent State tomorrow. Uh, tickets, plenty of tickets available still for that one. Plenty of tickets available for the University of Toledo versus Ball State game. Of course, that falls during the trick-or-treat time, so... Not very good timing for that game, but, you know, we shall see. As you are listening to All Andy Offer tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Now, Stitcher, however you're listening to me tonight, wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning into the program. And let's dive into it. A long World Series that has been, for some people, culminated with Game 5 last night. As the World Series held in Chavez Ravine started up on Friday night, and it was one of the longest, the longest game in World Series history. And yours truly stayed up for most of it. Most of it. I was I didn't go to bed till about 
2.15 in the morning. It ended around 3.30 local time in Eastern Standard Time in 18 innings. And Marcy getting the win with the walk-off home run as the Dodgers cruise to a 3-2 victory over the Boston Red Sox. Wood, the win, he goes to 1-0 with a 3.86 ERA. Of Daldi, the loss, he goes to 0-1 with a 1.13 ERA. Jackie Bradley Jr. homering in the game for the Red Sox, his first of the year. Penderson, his first. And Murray, the walk-off home run. Time of the game, 7 hours. That's right, 7 hours and 20 minutes for a World Series Game 3 in 18 innings. And you wonder why these games are lasting so long. So, so long. And I told you on Andy Rants on Friday that these games should be played in the afternoon. During the day. This proves it right here. A seven-hour ball game. It did not end on the East Coast until 3.30 in the morning. You can't have that. You, you, you can't. You cannot have that. And I'm surprised that Rob Manford, you know, hasn't had any ridicule for this. Absolutely any ridicule for this. But, you, you know, it was a great game. I'll give you that. I It was a tremendous game. Tremendous game. Back and forth action. Fantastic plays by both teams. And the Dodgers get the win in in, in extra frames. Now the night next night, they had an opportunity to you know blow the door open and take the series and tie the series at two, but pitching killed them again. Rich Hill getting pulled out early in the game after a tremendous starting performance for him, and Boston gets the win nine to six over the Dodgers. Kelly the win he goes to one and zero with zero ERA. Florida the loss he goes to 0-1 with 11.57 ERA. Puig and Hernandez homering for the Dodgers. It was Moreland, his first, and Pierce, his first. Time of the game, 3 hours and 57 minutes. Good game for the for the Red Sox to come back. And then in game 5 yesterday evening, Steve Pierce, two home runs in the game, powering the Red Sox. Along with Mookie Betts homering and J.D. Martinez homering. The only run that the Dodgers could muster was Freeze's home run his first of the season. As the World Series champions are in Beantown. In Boston. As the Red Sox wins, win the World Series and win the series three ga- four games to one. With a 5-1 win over the Dodgers. David Price, 2-0 with a 1.98 ERA. Clayton Kershaw, the loss, he goes to 0-2 with a 7.38 ERA. Like I mentioned, Mookie Betts, his first of the of the World Series. J.D. Martinez, his first. Steve Pierce, three home runs, eight driven ribbies driven in, in the series. Freeze home run for the Dodgers. Pierce gets the most valuable trophy, the Willie Mays. MVP trophy and a brand new 2019 Chevrolet truck. Tremendous to see as the 2014 Detroit uh, Red Sox, I mean, I mean, 2018 Boston Red Sox win the World Series this year. And so, congratulations are in order to the Boston Red Sox. A tremendous season went wire to wire. The Yankees gave them 
a run in the in the regular season. Shut them down in the postseason. But this ends the baseball season, you know, and uh, we saw some highs and some lows, and um, we shall see. It'll be coming back around in February, November, December, January. We're four months out from the start of spring training. As you're listening to All Andy Elf for tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcasts Now, However you're listening to me tonight, wherever you're listening to me tonight, thank you for tuning in to the program. A little NBA news to pass along to. How about the fact that the Cavs have not yet won a game. They have been on a slide. They're 0-6 in their last six, and they fired Tyrod Lue. So you have Hugh Jackson now fired. You have Tyrod Lue fired. So you have two coaching positions available in Cleveland. So I've asked you... On my Twitter, I'll ask you on my Twitter as the poll question, what job would you rather have, the Cleveland Cavaliers job or the Cleveland Browns job? Voting will start tonight at midnight on Tuesday and will go all the way until Friday's edition of All Andy Alford. So stay with us and we'll release, we'll have the final results of the poll on Friday's Falcon Friday edition of All Andy Alford. So if it was me... I take the Browns job. There's a lot of more talent. There's a lot of talent with the Browns than there is with the Cavs. Of course, Kevin Love there as well, but with the Cavs. But Baker Mayfield, Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb. I rather have the I rather have the the Browns than the Cavs. So Tyrod Lou fired after an 0-6 start to this season. Led the Cavaliers to a championship. A few years ago at the helm with LeBron James. Countless Eastern Conference Championships and Central Division Eastern and Central Division Championships released and fired by the Cleveland Cavaliers. As you're listening to all Andy Elford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Now, however you're listening to me tonight, wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning into the program. And now let's hit the ice. After a tremendous weekend and week for the Blue Jackets, a familiar team comes a-calling to 200 West Nationwide Boulevard starting tonight, tomorrow night. So the Jackets took on the Buffalo Sabres Saturday evening at 200 West Nationwide Boulevard and sold-out crowd. The Jackets cruising out to an early lead Midway point of the second period, Cam Atkinson scoring two goals in the game. His his fifth and sixth of the season with Pierre-Luc Dubois, of course, as the Jackets were up 4-2 on the on the um, Buffalo Sabres before uh, Pomeroy and Matherson tie the game up as well as uh, Skinner's goal ties it up. As it was 4-4, goes to overtime, and of Terry Panarin banking his second goal of the evening as the Jackets cruise to a 5-4 win in overtime over the Buffalo Sabres. And, you know, and I'm going to make mention of this too. I think you know the Jackets are starting to get a little bit better. A little bit better. I'm going to say that again. The Jackets are getting a little bit better. I'm seeing a little bit more consistency in this team now. Than it was, I say, I say about a week ago. 
when they lost bad to Tampa and they lost to Arizona. But like I said on the show, who loses to Arizona? Not that many people loses to Arizona. You know, the Kings lose to Arizona, but that's a division matchup. And to me, you losing to Arizona was a, a step in the wrong direction for the Jackets. But, of course, they get back on the right side of things with a win over St. Louis on Thursday and the win against Buffalo on Saturday after Saturday evening. Breakdown looks like this. Buffalo outshot Columbus 38-37. They led in the faceoff department 53% to Columbus's 47 Buffalo 1-for-5 on the power play. Columbus 0-for-3. Columbus had 10 minutes of penalties. Buffalo 6 minutes of penalties. The Jackets out hitting the Sabres 12-8. to Other scores from around the league on Sunday, of course. Vegas winning in overtime over Ottawa 4-3. to Edmonton a 2-1 win over the Chicago Blackhawks. The Kings a winner 4-3 over the Rangers. Detroit getting a win and more than three goals. That means take the box score to Arby's in Michigan and get yourself a free order of curly fries as the Winks get a 4-2 win over the Dallas Stars. The Islanders a winner 2-1 over Carolina. And in overtime, the Anaheim Ducks were a winner were a loser to the San Jose Sharks, 4-3. Tonight on the docket, Calgary is in Toronto without Austin Matthews, who is now out four weeks with a shoulder injury. Out four weeks with a shoulder injury. Let's see if the Leafs can handle it with uh, Tavares and Kadri as, and Martyr as well, too. And Minnesota is in Vancouver to take on the Canucks. Tomorrow's games look like this. Vegas is in Nashville to take on the Predators. That game on NBCSN. Calgary's in Buffalo. The Islanders are in are in Pittsburgh to take on the Penguins. Boston will take on Carolina. Dallas is in Montreal to take the Canadiens. The New Jersey Devils are taking on the Tampa Bay Lightning. Minnesota's in Edmonton. Ottawa's in Arizona. Philadelphia in Anaheim. And the Rangers take on the San Jose Sharks. And tomorrow night at 200 West Nationwide Boulevard in downtown Columbus, Ohio, in the heart of the Arena District, it will be the Columbus Blue Jackets hockey team taking on the Detroit Red Wings in the second game of their second game of a three-game series with Detroit this season. Detroit coming into the game with the win over Dallas game guys to look out for Dylan Larkin he has nine points on the season he also has four goals Mike Green an averaging amount of time of 22 minutes and 14 seconds Jimmy Howard is expected to go in the pipes his save percentage of 3.07 the Jackets will throw out Jonas Corposalo Corpy getting the start over Detroit tomorrow his save percentage of 3.46 ERA Players to watch out for the Jackets, of course, Panarin, 15 points. Atkinson with six goals. Seth Jones leading the defensive rush in total with 25 minutes and 13 seconds. Tickets still available by going to Ticketmaster.com or head to BlueJackets.NHL.com for tickets. Game time, 7 o'clock. You can watch that game on Fox Sports Ohio as well as on Fox Sports Detroit. Looking at the standings going into tonight's play, it looks like this. The Atlantic Division, the Leafs are still in first place with a record of 8-4-0 with 16 points. Tampa now in second at 7-2-1 with 15 points. Montreal 6-2-2 with 14 points. Metropolitan Division looks like this. Pittsburgh now in top spot at 6-1-2 with 14 points. Carolina 6-4-1 with 13 points. 
The Jackets holding now the third spot at 6-4-0 with 12 points. The wildcard race looks like this. Boston 6-3-2 with 14 points. Buffalo 6-4-1 with 13 points. The defending Stanley Cup champion Washington Capitals are now 5-3-2 with 12 points. The the Devils 5-2-1 with 11 points. The Islanders 5-4-1 with 11 points. Ottawa 4-4-2 with 10 points. Philadelphia 4-7-0 with 8 points. The Florida Panthers are now 2-4-3 with 7 points. The Rangers 3-7-1 with 7 points. And rounding it out, the Detroit Red Wings at 2-7-2 with 6 points. The Western Conference looks like this in the Central Division. The the Nashville Predators are leading the Division 8-3-0 with 16 points. Colorado 7-3-2 with 16 points. The Winnipeg Jets, with their win over last Wednesday against the Leafs, are 7-4-1 with 15 points. They lost Saturday evening to the, the Leafs at Air, at Scotiabank Arena, formerly Air Canada Center. The Pacific Division looks like this. San Jose 6-3-2 with 14 points. Edmonton in second, 6-3-1 with 13 points. Calgary 6-5-1 with 13 points. Wildcard race looks like this. Chicago 6-3-3 with 15 points. Minnesota 6-2-2 with 14 points. Vancouver on the outside looking at 6-6-0 with 12 points. Anaheim 5-5-2 with 12 points. Vegas now 5th place, 5-5-1 with 11 points. It's a hard shift to follow for the uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights having that sophomore year this year. Dallas 5-5-0 with 10 points. Arizona 5-5-0 with 10 points. St. Louis 4-3-3 with 9 points. LA 3-7-1 with 7 points. And we have some NHL news to pass along to you. And we'll go into my Andy Rants here. In just a little bit, the NHL and MGM Sports have come to an agreement for betting on the game, being parlay bets, and this is the one of the first for the league to uh, announce that you could be betting on the t- betting on games. And um, I'll talk a little bit more on that with my Andy Rants in just a little bit. But speaking of the ice, let's talk about the fish. The walleye going in on Friday evening to to Fort Wayne, Indiana, for Fort Wayne's home opener, and beating the Comets seven to three. Absolutely fantastic to see in the game. Um, Nagel having a good performance in that game. He comes back. We come back home Saturday evening for the home opener. Now. Now a great crowd on here. Fantastic crowd. Eight thousand. 326, the sellout crowd at the Huntington Center this past Saturday night at the Hut. Great crowd on hand. A good splattering of Fort Wayne fans at this game, but a great crowd. Great opening ceremony. And the Jack and the Red Wings, excuse me, not the Red Wings, the, Red, the minor Red Wings, the Toledo Walleye, of course, struggling early on. Couldn't find the couldn't find the way they you know they were a little rusted through not used to the home ice but they got right on the right on the horse as CJ Hensick getting the starting goal getting the first goal of the home season for the fish cruising out to a one nothing lead and the place was hopping after that of course Fort Wayne getting back and tying it up at one apiece after 20 minutes but Two fights in the first four minutes of the game. That shows you how tough this team is going to be. Absolutely tough how this team's going to be. But, of course, Fort Wayne coming back and taking the lead 2-1. to one. 
before Dylan Salloway putting the puck in the back of the net, tying the game up at two apiece. The Walleye then getting an equalizer and taking the lead three to two midway point of the of the second period before before going into the intermission, of course. Fort Wayne tying it up on the power play, bearing it past Pat Nagel as they cruise to a 3-3 tie after 40 minutes of play. Of course, then the walleye tally a mark in the third period and prevail over the Fort Wayne Comets 4-3 in front of a sold-out crowd at the Huntington Center. Great crowd on hand. I will make mention of it in just a second, but like I said, a lot of Fort Wayne fans at the game. It's good to see that the walleye now hit the road. They'll play Kalamazoo tomorrow morning at 10.30 in the morning before returning home this weekend to take on the Idaho Steelheads. Plenty of tickets available for Friday and Saturday's games. You can call 419-725-WALL or ToledoWalleye.com. I've seen tickets on SeatGeek, and so plenty of tickets available for this game as you're listening to All Andy Elford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcasts Now, however you're listening to me tonight, wherever you're listening to me tonight, thank you for tuning in. And it's we've come to the end of the program tonight. And it's time for Andy Rance. And uh, first and foremost, before we begin, our thoughts and prayers are with those who are were affected by the tragedy that happened in Pittsburgh in the synagogue. Of course, if you haven't been under, if you've been living under a rock or if you haven't been turning on your TV lately, or you haven't been noticing, 11 people were shot in a synagogue on Saturday in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, all 11 died. There was The shooter was shot, but he made it out. Um, he's expected to face tons of charges and possibly the death penalty. But uh, the grieving process begins, and thoughts and prayers are with those affected in their families affected in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So we dive into Andy Rance tonight, of course. And the one big thing I want to talk about tonight, of course, is the NHL and the and the new betting situation. I don't like this. I don't like this at all. The NHL is going to be diving into parlay betting as well as betting inside of stadiums. That is a terrible idea, a horrendous idea. It is going to ruin the integrity of this game and the integrity of the sport. We've had so many cheaters in college football and college basketball for point shaving, and we've had Pete Rose betting against his own team. What's to say that Alex Ovechkin or Tom Wilson or, I don't know, uh, Phil Kessel or some powerhouse NHL official player decides to throw a game just because he wants to make a few extra bucks loses the integrity of the game? I am all for sports betting and everything like that. I'm totally for it. But for me, it has to be done in a brick-and-mortar spot. Most of the country has casinos. Most countries have, most of, the, most of the places here in this country have internet cafes. We need a brick-and-mortar place 
to do these bets. More or less like a casino or a or a internet cafe or whether it be some some that's legally binding that will help the cause. And if they win, you win. If you lose, it goes to a good cause instead of like what the um instead of goes to Sal, the bookmaker, you know? It's like what the Ohio lottery does. Most of the, some 5% of the money that goes into the lottery goes to the goes to the Ohio schools. We should be doing the same thing with with uh sports betting. But for me, it's going to lose the integrity of this game. You're not going to have the solid players. You're going to be thinking about the guy who you've put $20 on if see he can score two goals in the game for you. It's like they're going to be doing parlay bets on if Atkinson will score three goals in the uh, two goals in the game, or if Panarin's going to be a plus a plus three, the over under is plus three on him for the night. It's going to lose the integrity of the game. It took us forever. I mean, yes, it it's going to happen. It took forever for uh, casinos to be put on the boards. It's taken forever for hard liquor to be put on the boards. Now we're having sports betting here in in the NHL, and I, I, I just don't like it. I think it's going to be the worst idea ever, and it's all on Gary Bettman for this one. I, don't blame, I won't blame the players. I won't blame the officials. I will blame them if, they, if they're caught cheating. But it all sends back to Gary Bettman. It's all on you, Gary. If you if this screws up, it comes back to you, buddy. And you're already on thin line with most of us fans. With the way that you back the players and back the teams and not the fans. The last two lockouts. So. Ball's in your court, Gary. You're on the ho- you're on the hook for this one. We shall see. And my second part of the Andy rants tonight, of course, a great crowd on hand at the Huntington Center. But I know some of you saw my Facebook post on Saturday night. Why in God's name do you need a therapy dog to go to a hockey game? A little baby chihuahua. I was three rows in front of me, sitting with a Fort Wayne fan. And by the way, the guy who's next to the Fort Wayne fan that had the Chihuahua dog, he was contradicting himself. You can't be either or. He was wearing the Comets jersey, the three-bit Comet jersey, but wearing a walleye hat. You cannot, you cannot, you cannot contradict yourself when it comes to a rivalry game, like the rivalry between Toledo and Fort Wayne. You have to choose sides. But the big key story is this dog situation. I'm seeing these things all over the country. People bringing in their dogs, bringing in support pigs, pelicans, hedgehogs, fish. What are we as a society? We are a bunch of soft, fat 
immature, pathetic group of people when we have to bring a dog to a, a sporting event, a game that has a that has a goal horn, a goal horn that blows so hard and so loud. It frightens the animal's ears. That's why they have... You could bring your dog any other... You could bring your dog to two nights a year. And they're called Paws and Puck Nights. You could bring them twice a year. It wasn't opening night. So to those that bring animals into the arena that's not scheduled for an animal night at the game, I say to you... Keep them at home. Put them in the crate. Because my God. You don't need them. At a hockey game. And the lady that was sitting behind me. All she could talk about was the damn dog. Chatty, chatty. I thought I was on an episode of The View. I understand why Don Cherry says, when you come to the game, always pay attention to the puck. Always. Because it's always, it's always a woman yapping away. Chatting away. I can understand why he said that. And I hate, and, I, and I'll say it, I hate the one-nighters. When I go to the game and I hear the one night, me and me and the missus always could tell if it's a one night person or if it's a hardcore season ticket holder or if it's an avid fan. And then there's the one nighters that just go in for a beer and they'll watch the game. Here's an idea for you. Stay home. Watch the game at home. That's what I'm going to be doing from now on. Rest of this year. Budgets have changed for me. Budgets and ideas have changed for me. So, one of the things I'm cutting out is a lot of walleye games this year. Unfortunately. And, of course, I wanted to make mention of this too. Uh, Closing day of Cedar Point really wasn't that big of a big thing. Uh, Rain out most of the day. Unfortunately, they get a chance to finish out my time there, but a great season, and I can't wait to be back at Cedar Point for 2019. And that's going to wrap it up for all NBL for tonight right here on the Anchor Network. We will be back on the air this upcoming Friday, back to the normal schedule on Friday for a special edition, a Falcon Friday edition of all Andy Elfer. We will recap the BG Kent State game. I hope you, if you're going down to the game, enjoy it. Have a great time. Weather looks like it's going to hold off, of course. So, uh, yeah, BG Kent State tomorrow night, 7.30 on ESPNU. So, plenty of tickets available for that one. So get down to the doy and support the Bowling Green State University Falcons and these young kids and the new coaching regime in Carl Polini. And uh, we will end the show with this, like I said, every week. I'll talk to you guys on Friday. Until then, I'm Andy Alford. I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together. The game of life. Keep your stick on the ice.
And to the teams you root for at home, to my teams, go Jackets. Go Walleye. Go Falcons. Big win tomorrow, hopefully. Go Spartans. Go Buckeyes. And go Wolverines. And go Lions. And nice job, Browns, to get rid of Hugh Jackson. Nice job. Victory is sweetest when you have tasted defeat. Have a great week, everybody. And uh, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, what are you doing? Hit the subscribe button. And share, share the podcast with your friends. Like I said, I'll talk to you guys on Friday for another edition of All Andy Alford. Love you. Talk to you then. This has been a presentation of All Andy Alford with the All Andy Alford Network. Powered by Anchor.